Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create Your Life family, thanks for tuning in to this episode. Before we get started, I wanted to share some exciting information from our sponsor. We only pick people and companies that we think are awesome to bring onto the show, so please support them. As a podcaster, I've spent hours and hours editing, doing show graphics, and much more, and I finally got fed up with losing all of my free time to post-production activities. So I decided to do something about it. And if you are a fellow busy podcaster who would like to just record and have someone else do the dirty work of graphic creation, tagging and uploading your show to your server and in-depth SEO generating show notes, go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and today is another amazing day, and we have another amazing guest. This gentleman I actually have known for some time, and I've seen his growth and evolution myself and saw him putting in the work, so it's amazing to have him here on the show. He is a rapper and musician turned actor and comedian, originally from New Orleans and fellow graduate of Clark Atlanta University. I am talking about none other than Mr. Jeremy Christian, who I personally call Gumbo. Um, (laughs) So Gumbo, man, please say hello to the Create Your Life family. Hey, what's up, y'all, man? I'm happy that you got me here, brother. And I'm proud of you too, man. I see your growth. You've definitely been doing your thing. Yeah, nah, definitely, bro. I want to go back to when we were at CAU. I heard a rumor that you (laughs) you sold (laughs) 20,000 copies of your mixtape, man, Louisiana Purchase, man. You a legend around Mm -hmm. there. Tell us about that and that grind in the early stages when you was really getting at your music tip. When we was in school, that was kind of like the cusp of when years after Master P was doing it and Mm -hmm. Ludacris Shaka Zulu went there years before we went there, Ludacris Manager. That's kind of school we came from from of us get it how you live and we was just selling it out of the trunk so that's how that but we was in college so it all started out just as a something to do you know your homies and stuff say bro you can rap just put something together mm-hmm. did it out the dorm room put it out to a couple of homies on the football team a couple of homies you know what i'm saying it's just around the way just that we knew and before you knew it using the connections and stuff at spellman and morehouse we had so many events at school is the first place where you can learn how to like use all the different connections that you have you got people right. that's in marketing people that's in management people that work for radio station, WSTU. So by default, I utilize all those resources and it started out selling 100 copies. Every person knew somebody else that went from 100 to 200 within like three or four days. Mm-hmm. By the time spring came, we had the uh, spring break. Everybody went down to Miami and all that stuff. I was already at like 8,000 copies. 
Mm. I took a van down to Daytona. We know we did the spring bling out there. Mm-hmm. And I was just out there hustling, bro, T-shirts. Now that I look back at it, the posters was kind of crappy, but we had like handmade posters and stuff before <laughs> we actually had the legit posters. So I could credit that to like the AUC, just the support that we got there. It just spread it like wildfire, bro, just from just a simple idea of something for fun. A couple of homies that was like, yo, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. I never intended for it to get like that big. And sometimes we don't really see that in ourselves because I never looked at my gifts like that. I never looked at it as a gift. It was just something that was fun to me. It's like you hoop. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you were dope at it. You also had other, obviously you got other skills and other talents and stuff. Right. And you went the route that was best for you. So you were pressing the CDs up in your dorm room. Hey, you remember we had them little CD burners? Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> CD burners that used to take four hours to get like five CDs burnt. <laughs> and we would just sit up in that thing, bro. Like I would go in between classes, burn like 10 CDs. And then and I think I spent like $250, $300 and stuff for the CD burner. Yeah. In between my classes, I would run back, go get a CD, slide my little sleeve in there. I just draw gumbo in there before I actually had enough money to go actually get a real legit graphic designer. Shout out to Ivan. Yeah. That's when I started pressing up. But I was pressing up in the dorm room and then I started started picking up like how these bigger artists doing it. And I just started researching and then stopped investing the money into actually getting the Gumbo Street album project pressed out. So I was pressing them things up <laughs> out the dorm room, every event, Market Thursdays, Market Friday, any Greek event. At that moment, I was just learning the business of it, how to be self-sufficient, how to the grassroots marketing, how mm-hmm. to just learn everything for myself. That's the type of learner I am anyway. I want to learn and see what I could do for myself first, then go back and then add on to that. You know what I'm saying? Get the true knowledge of it. Gotcha. Okay. And so you also have went on tour with some big acts as well. Can you talk to us about that? That first project, actually, I did uh, 15,000 copies. Mm-hmm. And I go back and listen to the album. I was proud of it, but it was a shitty project. It was real. Like, I go back and listen to all the different elements to it compared to the next project. The second project after that was the Louisiana Purchase. And that was the one that essentially I started getting a lot of phone calls and stuff. So I went back to New Orleans mm-hmm. and I would start doing local shows. Sony Records would come and they would put on shows for local artists and stuff because New Orleans is just a hard market to just really, outside of who we know from Cash Money No Limit, mm-hmm. it's really hard for a lot of artists. It's not in New York or LA mm-hmm. or you know what I'm saying Atlanta it's just not like that at all it just has a different vibe and flavor so I went down there and I started connecting with DJs and stuff like DJ Jubilee Raj Smooth all them and I started getting attention to local DJs local artists so then eventually when I came back to Atlanta I started opening up for artists like Franchise Boys and it was out there yeah. Ludacris T.I. when he had Club Crucial Mm-hmm. And then I started going on tour and stuff, open up for artists like Nelly, Bow Wow. I was them. They was out there. They had that was when we was young and stuff. So they had the up close and personal tour. And then I started doing stuff with like Lil Flip, you name it, Pimp C, Bun B. Go down to Houston and stuff, and I would open up for them. Start hitting out of the college market. So anybody that was in the Southeast, just going down to Florida, Miami, Trina, a little bit of Plaza stuff too, and all that. So you know all that, bro. Okay, yeah, that's dope, man. So I'm curious, you transitioned out of rap. And you're now doing acting and comedy. How did that transition come about? And how long have you been in the game? You know, I had a record deal. You know, with that record deal, there's contracts and all that. Not going to put any names or anything, but I didn't have the best contract, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. My contract was not the best at all. I went to court trying to get out of my contract and... 
by the grace of God and just my intellect, I never really spent any of my advanced money. Mm-hmm. When I sold my copies to my album, I kept a lot of it. I didn't spend a lot of money on cars. I mean, I did some of that stuff, but I saved a lot of my money. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was intuition. I don't know if I was thinking like I never intended to get in this in the first place, mm-hmm. but it kind of put me in a bad place bro, because it all started out for fun and it still was fun at that point. But when it got to that point where it was not fun anymore and the record labels were trying to make me make music that didn't really represent who I was. Look, bro, I went to school. And even though I grew up in environments and stuff that I grew up in, it, it doesn't mean that I wasn't a thug. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that's what and what it was. But record labels, they try to push you. Sometimes they try to fabricate or try to magnify situations you've been in mm-hmm. and try to make it be more, more than, than that. Mm-hmm. After recording so many songs and getting that pushback from like A&Rs and stuff, it was kind of like the love for it just started to not be there no more. Mm-hmm. So I got out of my contract, bro. And, and to be honest, like I got out of my contract, I was in court for like two or three months trying to get out of my contract. I ended up paying 75% of my advance money back that I had. And then I ended up going into like working in corporate America. I was working for Pest, my distribution for like a year. Mm-hmm. It felt so good because, you know, I ain't never really worked a real job. So for me, I was able to kind of see how it felt to like just something simple as clocking in at a real job. Like I ain't never clocked in before. After going through that, working at Pest, my distribution, I realized that I was more of an artistic person. And that's really where my heart was at. Mm-hmm. So after working there for about a year and a half, I decided that I was going to move to L.A. You know, God was just kind of like having these prayers and these incidents that kind of happened. It was like, you need to go to L.A. Mm-hmm. I came to L.A., bro, and it was I had to start all the way over. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the most humbling thing, because before I came, I just asked God. I was like, look, whatever you have for me, I'm going to be open minded to it. So having to, I guess, as an artist, when you have something before in your career, it's kind of like going up and up and up in the hip hop game. You're in an industry where you kind of have to have an ego. Yeah, you kind of have to have an ego. So that was one of the things that I had to realize when I was going to transition to something else mm-hmm. that I was going to have to put that ego, diminish it as much as possible and do things that I would look at like I never do that. Like, bro, I had a job working at Hallmark. Mm-hmm. Because cars. I was <laughs> selling cars, bro. Like I, I was selling cars, but everything I did, I took pride in. You yep. know what I'm saying? I took pride in it because if I'm gonna be here, I'm gonna be the best that I can be at this. If I'm gonna sell cars, I'm gonna be the best at selling these damn cars. Mm-hmm. I was taking acting classes. This is me when I first got to LA. Still trying to figure stuff out. Everybody come to LA and they think that as soon as they get out the airplane, somebody gonna see them. They gonna think that this person looks like a model. Or somebody gonna think that this person looks like you can get into this movie. That shit don't happen like that. I got a question for you though. But how often do people tell you you look like Will Smith though? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be not mad, but I used to, as an artist, especially with my style of music, it was nothing compared to Will Smith. But I love his hustle and I respect what he did. But I used to get tired of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> But, but now, as a comedian, I just make fun of that. But working at home, my bro, they asked me if I want to move to, to management. I didn't want to do that because I knew that it required like a lot of like responsibility that would take away from what I was going to do. So I ended up doing like a supervisor position. Yeah. But while I was working there, to me, how I took it, I was like, damn, I could do anything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I never worked in retail ever in my life. I never had real jobs. And like, bro, you know what my real job was? Before I actually worked there, I was the orientation guy at Clarkland University. Nice. That's not a real job. Never had a real job. I was my own boss. But yeah, so I started working and I worked at the container store and started taking these acne classes, bro. And that's a long story to tell you, but other things started happening. I started plotting and planning and started strategizing. And I had game plans as far as like how I was going to make certain things happen. Not necessarily trying to align myself with a particular person. 
Mm-hmm. But like certain things that I was going to do to make sure I got the type of attention that I needed. And who's the people around you at this point? Who's keeping you motivated, making sure that you're on your grind? One of the things that made me come out to L.A., bro, was my grandmother calling me. She never calls. I looked at the phone like, OK, this is Lord's Christian calling me. She called me and she said, how you doing? She said, I feel your energy. She said, you're not in a good place. And mm-hmm. she said, you need to be following your dreams. You missed your calling. Mm-hmm. And somebody tell you that you missed your calling. A lot of times they say that, like, they say that the people who ain't going to go back and go get it. And when she said that to me, that shit just hit me, bro. She never called the grandkids. The grandkids always called the grandparents. Mm-hmm. Even on our birthdays, we call them, you know what I mean? Yeah. So fast forward back to getting to L.A., like, that was in my head. I started feeling that whole thing of this is meant to be. Mm-hmm. So with that in my mind... I'm a family-oriented person, so for me to be all the way from my family, mm-hmm. I can't be out here wasting that time. Yeah. So as soon as I came to L.A., I put my pride to side. I humbled myself. But I would see people that went to school or people that was in the industry that knew me and that was like, you on, you know what I'm saying? Like, you on, you having bad times? Like, you selling cars? But I knew what was right for me. I found mm-hmm. my own lane because that's the thing. Like, if you start thinking about what other people thinking mm-hmm. and what's going on in the other lane, can't be selling these cars. I got to go sell dope. Or I got to go get that quick hustle. Nah, like mm-hmm. I had already known that if I just stay focused and do what I need to just have the basics. I mean, I have money saved up, of course, but who want to spend money and they got saved up just to live in an expensive city like L.A.? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I just needed to feel connected to what normal nine to five type shit was. Yeah, because it motivates so, you, boy. I tell you. But, <laughs> yeah, it. it was definitely motivating, but I felt good, bro, because I felt like I was waking up to purpose. Yeah. So how long you been in L.A. now? Been four years now. Was there ever any point that you felt like you were going to give up? If so, how did you push past that point? Yeah, I'd be lying to you if I told you that one moment and stuff where I was just like, bro, like, I'm crazy for coming out here doing this, but I got a daughter. You know, my daughter's two years old. Congratulations. Thank you, bro. She motivates me, but even before that, I was already motivated by purpose. I was always kind of like, God, the universe is directing me towards something. And I get it. People say, you're not supposed to have a plan B. I don't necessarily have a plan B. I don't necessarily have a plan A. I'm just open about what makes me feel good. I need to feel good for myself. You heard Right, absolutely. I don't need to feel good for nobody else. I got to deal with myself 24-7, so... Right. Just the things that made me feel good, whether it was just going, taking these classes and feeling self-growth, meditating. I mean, we have hard days and stuff. You go to auditions and stuff like that. and You don't get that audition or even if you in class, I pretty much had to learn all over again. So I had to start learning stuff that I wasn't doing prior to. So I was always kind of in the place where I was like, I don't feel like I'm as good as everybody else. Yeah. How did you push past trying to compare yourself to everybody else? Because I know it's a lot of actors in L.A. Just finding my own lane. I know that I got a lot to offer. Yeah, yeah, You know yeah. what I'm saying? And this is the crazy thing, you know, as anybody that's listening, I think once you start getting to that place where you stop trying to please a casting director, you stop trying to please the casting agent, and you just start doing the best for yourself, you stop thinking about other people. And for me, that's why I started doing these affirmations and start putting them on the wall. Mm-hmm. Health affirmations, anxiety affirmations, just anything that I wanted and I desired, I just started putting it out there. And I started working towards just those things. And I stopped putting the stress on myself. Mm-hmm. and knowing that it's going to come. As long as I keep on working on myself and I keep doing good by others, that it's going to come. So I really stopped thinking about the pressure as far as like with everybody else. I just started working on my own stuff. I started working on doing monologues. I started writing more. Mm-hmm. I started connecting myself with people who were not just good 
or doing good things in music and acting and comedy, but just people who were doing good in their fields. You know what I'm saying? You got public speakers and stuff, teachers. It didn't matter what it was. I was just aligning myself with them because those are the things that made me look and be like, were you good in your profession? And why are you good in your profession? Mm -hmm. So I started taking little jewels and bits and pieces and started applying it to myself. If I wake up feeling good about myself, I go to audition, do a couple comedy shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Before I get on stage, I already feel good. Gotcha. You know what do you saying? feel like has been your biggest personal challenge that you needed to overcome in order to be who you are today? Here's the thing is about me. Like, regardless of what I'm doing, I just want to feel like what was my purpose in life. That was like the biggest challenge because that feeling when you wake up in the morning, you start feeling like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. Because you can book a TV show, mm-hmm. you could go on tour, and then what you're going to do once it's over with, when nobody give you a phone call? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of actors that come here, including me too, that it's happened to where it was like, you'll book something, you're excited about it in January 2018, and you don't get no phone call until 2019. Mm-hmm. Me, I started looking past the auditions and started looking past. And don't get me wrong, I'm just blessed to have the blessings that I've just received this year mm-hmm. and before that. But I think for me, that biggest challenge was getting past the part of like, what is my purpose? And I feel like I'm kind of around that area of kind of like knowing I'm walking more so on my purpose. Gotcha. So how did you deal with negative feedback as you were rising? What did you think when you first saw it? Was it public, private? And were you even prepared for it? I never cared about negative feedback. Mm-hmm. Not to say that I didn't pay attention to it or as far as like it wasn't there. For me, it was more so like if somebody said that they wasn't rocking with me on something, I already realized that because I know I'm not a fan of everybody's stuff either. Mm-hmm. But you do have negative feedback as far as like your, some folks back home, some people back in, you know, New Orleans or Monroe and Baton Rouge or even Atlanta. Mm-hmm. When I moved out here, one of the big things was, bro, you a rapper. Why are you out there trying to do comedy? You're not a comedian. You're not an actor. You should stick to the music industry. Mm-hmm. For me, it was more so like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? I know what I'm talking about. So I know what I'm doing. So for me, it was more like, let me prove to myself later on if people feel like they're rocking with you or not, you will see it. But other than that, like, I just need to prove for myself. I never cared about haters. I never cared about people, you know, doubting me. Got you. Who would you say has been your biggest champion in becoming who you are today? Bro, I would probably say my daughter. Love it. You got a daughter, Kev? I don't have any kids, bro. Man, when you have a bro, like, she don't care. When she see me on TV, she be laughing, she be clapping. That's my dad. But then after that, I got to change the diaper, bro. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? After that, I got to feed her. So it's like, she don't care. She recognizes, she knows who I am. She knows what's going on. But bro, she doesn't care. She sees me for what I am. I'm the person that takes care of her. She see me, she hug me, she see me, she say, that's my daddy, that's daddy. But she don't care. Long as I am who I am, mm-hmm. being a good dad to her. When it's all said and done, yeah. that's the only thing she's going to care about, bro. I love that, bro. I love that. Quick question. If somebody could come in and support you and what you got going on today and help you with the biggest thing that's your challenge right now, as far as business goes, what would that be? How could they help you? I'd probably say as far as business, everybody going to say Instagram or Facebook. And, yeah, marketing, anything like that. But I think mostly for me, like I'm more so on like the pay it forward type thing. Mm-hmm. If it's anything, like I'm just big on like self-care. I'm big on what is it that you want and how to go get it. A lot of it is that constant grunt and grind, like waking up in the morning and say, I want to get this, what it is that I need to do. I need to push myself to learn different things. I feel like for me, as far as the help that I need, just push that forward. I just believe the universe to take care of me if we keep pushing that good energy. It's always good when people keep reposting, retweeting, or talking about passing on. Like go, I got a special that's on Amazon Prime right now on the Laugh at the Dark episode three. So okay. uh, I'm people go check that out, man. And I'm right for Wildin' Out. MTV's Wildin' Out. So anything that I'm doing is 
is obviously beneficial to the business aspect mm-hmm. that keeps me getting more jobs. Absolutely. So tell us a bit, because I didn't even ask you this like fresh out the gates. Tell me some of the opportunities that you've been able to do since being in L.A. Man, when I first got to L.A., I, this is when I started transitioning from working to nine to five, moving and stuff. Back in the day, they had an audition. They were trying to revamp National Lampoon. I went and auditioned. I never knew much about comedy other than what we used to do back in college and high school, just roasting the hell out of each other. That's, yeah. Yeah, I was on the basketball team roasting folks going into the cafeteria. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was wild too, bro. Yeah, I started falling into that world of comedy. And I think there's a connection between like comedy and hip-hop. It's still similar setups. Even as a freestyle rapper, we still have to do like setup and punchline. Same thing with comedy. You got a premise, a setup, and then a punchline. So I started falling into that world, got into National Lampoon, I got the audition. I was an actor on there, so we do showcases and stuff, and then they moved me to being a writer. That was hard because I never really understood how to write for comedy scripts. But then that started opening up opportunities while I worked for Above Average, which is Lauren Michaels up mm-hmm. there in New York, where you have SNL. That's this digital company. And I started doing some acting and sketches on that. So I started falling into that, got into the comedy stores as a comedian. First time I got on stage, I ain't bombed that bad, but comparison into what I know what bombing is. But then I started looking into the business of everything and started understanding that. And I started getting like little spots. What I started doing was audience hosting for TV shows. Yeah. This is probably the thing that probably really shot everything off. A homie of mine, Elaine Fisher, she's a casting director mm-hmm. for like ABC and NBC. I met her in Atlanta a couple of years before I got there. I was stuck in the building when, if you ever remember, when T.I. Mm-hmm. supposedly had saved the dude that was trying to commit suicide. I was stuck in the building with her. And my audition was over with and we couldn't leave. You know, police, FBI said we got to stay in the building. Anyway, got to know her. Fast forward, she hit me up, saw me on Facebook and said, hey, you in LA? She said, why you ain't hit me? Why you ain't hit me up? So she sent me a text, but she said, do you know what an audience warm-up is? I had no idea what it was. I was about to tell her no. Before I could say no, she sent me a text. She said, cool, meet me at Maricon at Brand, which is a mall in Glendale, California. Mm-hmm. They said, fake it till you make it. So I like I know what the hell this is. I started researching it. I hit this dude up named Roger Lumblade. He's an audience warm-up. I met up with him. I think he was doing Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. I went to go see an episode of that. He said I was his guest. He introduced me to everybody in the audience, 300 people in the audience. My dude, he said, hey, I got to go to the bathroom. Can you hold his microphone for me? Bro, I'm like, my knees shaking because it's different from hip hop. You rapping and all that. Yeah. Oh boy, he said, go ahead and just talk. He know I needed that so I can go and do this thing at Glendale. Mm-hmm. This dude had me standing there for like 25 minutes, bro, talking to the audience. It got fun, but it was brutal. When I did that, that was like my first thing with comedy. And that's when I started looking out, started opening up for like cats where Kevin Hart would come to the comedy store. I would come up to them like, hey, you want to get up there? open up for him. I'd be like, uh, no, but I'm not going to say no. And and I would get up there and do it. Chris Rock, whoever it was, I was going to do my cool little three, five minutes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And after that, that started opening up other doors. Mm-hmm. Now, real quick, what I did was when I first moved to LA, I went and looked up everybody who I want to work with. Mm-hmm. Names, writers, directors, whoever, creators, actors. And I got a list of like a hundred and some people. And I sent a lot of them emails, Facebook messages, Instagram messages. And it wasn't giving me an opportunity. It was, look, I'm going to work with you one day. Mark my word. And some of them took a couple of months, took a couple of years. They eventually responded. Now Evans from Wildin' Out, he's the executive producer from Wildin' Out. He was one of the people that I hit up. One day he hit me up. I was auditioning for a CBS Diversity Showcase. He was, yo, do you have a resume to send me? Yeah, I'm gonna send it to you. I really didn't have a resume put together. Mm-hmm. I was doing this big audition for CBS. My head was so stuck in that it went by three days and he sent me a message. He said, position feel. This is like a lesson right here. He said, next time an EP sends you a message on Facebook and asks for your resume, he said, you better send that thing right away because I'm pretty sure EP 
EP, executive producers ain't sending just random messages. Bro, like my heart dropped. Mm -hmm. I told him, I was like, lesson learned. I never do that again. And it was for me to write for the BT Awards. After that, I just started staying on him. I flipped the script. I started staying on him. I was like, look, I'll never let an opportunity like that pass me by. I know Wildin' Out coming out. I want to work on it. I just kept hitting him. He said, send me your uh, resume. I sent it to him. Wait three days. I said, I sent my resume to you. I said, just check and see if you got it. He said, oh, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to see. Never hit me back. So I sent my resume to him again. Eventually, this year, April, he hit me up. He said, are you free between this and this time? I had a wedding to go to. My sister's wedding, I was going to spend a week there. And I told him, I said, look, I'll make time to be there. I got my sister's wedding, but I'll make some arrangements. He said, don't worry about it. We'll work another time. I said, nah. I went and changed my ticket up. I sent them the copy of my ticket. I said, I already changed my ticket. I can't. Mm -hmm. I didn't change it already. And that's how I got on working for a while and out. I love it, bro. That's that story of find a way or make one. That's the find a way or make one story. Wow, Create Your Life family, I hope that you are really enjoying this episode. I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors and let you know that our sponsors are giving special offers just for you. If you are a fellow busy podcaster who just wants to record and spend the rest of your time doing what you love, like working out at the gym with family and friends or traveling, use code CYLS for a discount on services when you go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. And without further ado, let's get back to the show. My next question to you, bro, is can you swim? Yeah, man. I can swim, dog. <laughs> All right. I'm asking because we about to jump into the dolphin tank, man. It's the rapid fire part of the interview. Oh, you ready? All right. Let's go. All right. First question. What's your goal setting methods? How you make sure you're growing each year? I try to make sure that I'm taking care of my mental health because if I don't have it, then everything else falls apart. Goals pretty much grow. The work of a while and I got a comedy special. Now I want to be a better comedian. Mm -hmm. I want to be a better writer. Mm -hmm. and pitching these TV shows and stuff. So, But as long as I take care of that core, I think everything else is good. What was holding you back from creating your best life? When you grow up and stuff, we grow up with a lot of weight, a lot of baggage and stuff. We don't mm -hmm. know where the baggage is coming from, a family. I found out who my biological dad was. That was one of the things too, you know what I'm saying, moving to LA that I was dealing with coming here. That's why my grandma gave me that phone call because she felt something that was going on that I hadn't told a lot of people at that time. Mm. Was he alive? Yeah, he's alive. Okay. Yeah, and I got a pretty decent relationship with him. But I had another dad that I thought was my dad. Mm. He's still my dad is still calm dad or whatever but i was dealing with all that stuff that's one of the things that hold us back not knowing a little bit about where we come from and who we are a lot of that not to get real deep into but spiritual stuff that's kind of i feel sometimes passed down on us mm -hmm. stuff that we see that we don't realize or we suppress yeah we suppress a lot of things so i had to dig up a lot of that stuff in order for me to really move forward and get that weight off my shoulders did, that did i didn't you, even realize it was there did you dig it up with help like therapy or yeah no my mom's psychologist now, i know in the black community they said well ain't nothing wrong with you go and get out there and yeah, you know yeah. what i'm saying handle your now, nah, like, I'm real big on going to go just talk to somebody. Like, gotcha. That's one of the things I said that held me back, holds a lot of people back. Okay. What's the top tech that you're using to make your business run smoothly? Man, right now, I'm learning these different Instagram and Facebook things and trying to understand the algorithms and all that stuff. I mean, I don't have no, I mean, I still use my basic MacBook. I'm using Final Cut to edit my film and stuff. And I write my scripts on Final Draft, mm -hmm. but those are applications used through MacBook Pro or the desktops, whatever you got. So I'm pretty still 
still kind of old school with everything. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm big on face-to-face um, -face as far as, like, marketing. I still do my internet marketing. I got a guy who does my marketing and stuff for me, but I'm real big at showing up and being there. If somebody said they're in L.A. and they got a show, if you coming out here speaking and stuff, because I know you got the books and all that, and you doing <laughs> all the public speaking and stuff like that, I'm going to show up because I want to see you do your thing, but I also want to meet other people, too. So that's my biggest technology in <laughs> myself. Got you. I love that. Real quick, man, I want to go back a step. It's funny that you just said that. About a month before I graduated from college, I found out who my dad was. And I thought that my dad was another guy the whole time. My wow. whole life too. So I definitely could feel you on that. I'd actually written a blog post about it. It was called What's in a Name? I need Bro, to see that. Can you send that to me? Yeah, I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. I'll find it online and I'll send it to I, you. I know you asked me a question, but how did it make you feel like you found it out? You said after you graduated or right before you right graduated? Right before. Okay. Yeah. How did it make you feel? Not to flip the script, but. It was tough, man, because I had spent my whole life essentially building my life. And I built my life based upon an idea and a dream that I had. Even getting to Clark and all of that stuff, man, it was just out of sight for almost everybody that I grew up with or around. There was a couple mm -hmm. of mentors who was like, you could go. And even when I got to Clark, they thought I was going to get kicked out my first week. Yeah. And so I made up this idea in this life when I found out who he was and found out the type of man that he was and stuff like that. It was a bit of an internal struggle. But then I had to fall upon myself and say, you know what? This is the life and this is who I am. This is what I built. And I'm not going to turn away from it or deter from what I've been wanting and who I wanted to be this whole time. So, but it was mm -hmm. tough, man. It was real tough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can imagine, man. But it took you a while though afterwards because I feel like it's a shift in your universe. Absolutely. Right? Like you got other family members and stuff that you connected with after that or was it just kind of like... Yeah, you know? so after I graduated, I ended up meeting his family and I went out to Portland to meet with them and I actually had two cousins who were graduating the same year, both double degrees, wow. just a lot in common. The crazy part is my whole life, I had never seen anybody that looks like me. That's the same thing. When I went to go meet him, I felt like I was in a sci-fi movie. Yeah. Because who I thought what my dad was in that side of the family. Fun thing, I ain't never really talked about this in a public forum or anything like that. This is actually the mm -hmm. first time talking about that. Gumbo bro. exclusive, man. <laughs> first time talking about it. But yeah, bro, like exactly what you just said, because I always felt different. People always say like, yeah, you like your grandparents, you know, yeah, your grandparents, yeah, yeah. but never looked like them. And I felt different. But when I went to go meet him in uh, Dallas, Texas, bro, he looked like me. I got two brothers. They look like me. I got a whole bunch of cousins that live in Texarkana. They look like man i guess the best way to explain it was like i was like numb i felt numb i was like having an out-of-body experience it was just crazy and it put you at so ease I, a little bit too because you've been wondering the whole time you know oh yeah it was a little bit comfortable i felt a little bit more complete mm -hmm. some questions that never got answered finally kind of got answered still figuring out some other questions but when you said that again bro like i felt exactly like that and i thought even though you know that these stories happen, you feel like you're going through it oh, by yeah. yourself until you, you know, share them same stories. You know what I'm saying? So I felt like it was uh, an episode of Mari because my dad had actually been dead since I was nine. Oh, since so, you were nine? Yeah. So yeah. I only saw a picture of him and was like, oh, wow. Like, I really look like dude. So it was definitely interesting. That's crazy. Let, let's jump back in this dolphin tank, though, man. What's your favorite quote or model that you live by? You know, I want to say find a way and make one. Yeah. But I mean, that's the tomorrow and I promise live for the day. You know what I mean? That's just what I say. I don't really. It's told me quotes out there but yeah just get it in for the day favorite or most impactful book that you've read i don't want to say 48 laws of power i feel like i did take some things 
out of that book as far as like, I recognize some things in myself. I do feel like that's a book that if you have negative intentions, Mm -hmm. it is something that you could use and start manipulating and taking advantage of people. Mm -hmm. But it is a good book as far as like for business and Mm -hmm. kind of moving yourself forward on how to utilize certain things. Okay. What three jewels would you tell someone looking to create their best life? Well, one of them is going back to what I was saying earlier today, like looking to yourself. People say soul searching. There's a lot of different ways to describe that, but I would say find the things that are true to yourself. Take care of yourself first. Ain't talking about your job. Ain't talking about your girlfriend or your wife. Take care of yourself. What makes you feel good? What type of foods you like to eat that's healthy for yourself that's going to increase a longer life? Are you a person that likes to sit inside and write? Are you the type of person that likes to go walk along the beach? I'm out here in LA, so the beach or whatever. The other thing is know what it is that you want, but also be open-minded to the universe as far as how you're going to get that. It's a direct path. And we know this. If I go to college and get a degree, then I'll get right into the field that I want. Mm, Nah, it don't happen like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You got to be open-minded. God and the universe might take you on a detour and you will never know that this is probably the route for you because you're looking at where everybody else is going. And I say the third thing, just be a good person and be true to yourself. Take care of yourself. Put it out there. Like I do vision boards and affirmations and stuff and be open-minded and be true to yourself slash be kind to others. I think that you can have a really good life. What's next for you? I mean, right now, bro, I'm doing these tours and stuff. Got the show on the Amazon Prime. Had my phone ringing, doing a lot of shows. And then I got a couple shows. I'm working with CBS. I'm writing and pitching some shows. Got some stuff that I'm putting out there. I don't want to jinx myself, but I got some pretty cool stuff that I'm pitching and I got that's in development too. So 2019, I'm looking forward to be like a good year. This was a good year too. I also plant a lot of seeds. Just ready for harvest season for some other things. Bro, I'm really, really happy for you. I got to tell you that. Like, I really am excited for you, bro. I appreciate it, man. I feel the energy, too. We always had a good relationship, too, bro. It was always, like, love. I seen your progression, too, dog. You going out motivational speaking and the books and stuff and even what you're doing now, finding a way to connect with other people in a positive way. That's crazy. So you never know who knows what you're doing and who see, like, that progress and creating platforms for even people like myself to even come and just to speak on. Most definitely, bro. What's the best way for us to keep in contact with you? My Instagram is Hey It's Gumbo. Facebook, I got a business page, Jeremy Gumbo Christian. Twitter is Hey It's Gumbo, too. Cool. So we reached a part in the interview called the Turnaround, where basically uh, you become the interviewer, I'm the interviewee. You get to ask me any three questions, and I have to answer. So I'm all yours. Okay. Bro. People, when they know people that they went to school with or they've seen their transitions, kind of similar question you asked me. You had the book, right? How many books did you have? I wrote one book. Well, I wrote, wrote two, book. but I only published one. At what point did you realize that you want to put a book out? To me, that's a big accomplishment just to say that you're a published author. Well, I appreciate you saying that. As I got out of college, I thought that I would write a story about my life. I would do a bio because I have a great story to tell. And, you know, I've Mm -hmm. seen some things. But the debt-free college book, 10 Ways Anyone Can Graduate Mm -hmm. College for Free, was to help other people out because I was finding out that people were having all of this college debt and I graduated Mm -hmm. college without any. So I was like, man, I just want to help. You know, I was talking with one of my friends. They were complaining about their student loan debt and stuff like that. And so I was like, all right, let me help out. Just like that. Yeah. And that's dope, man. You got a lot of good feedback from it, too, I bet. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. I've read a lot of the other debt-free college books. I got the most realistic, tangible steps debt-free college book because my book is not a scholarship book. Most of the other Mm. books are about scholarships. My book is literally how I got to college, didn't know what to do, didn't know anything about college finance, and figured it out and navigated it. So I'm telling you my story and then Mm -hmm. giving you the game. Like It's literally the blueprint on how to go to college for free. 
And gotcha. funny enough, I wrote a self-help book before that one and I was working on my bio before, but I thought that that was the one that people needed, you know, the soonest. And so yeah. I did that one. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Now, I know, like I was saying, I don't want to say it for you, but just from what I recognize, he was somewhat influential to me. But if I'm correct and then answer this question, I guess, with other people in mind too, who's influential to you at this point? And I know Mr. Moffitt was one of the people that was kind of influential to you when we was in college and stuff because he was inspiring to me too before he left Clark Land. He went to Morehouse, right? Yeah, he went to Morehouse and then he's at Texas Southern University now. Right, okay. So, man, to be honest with you, bro, I'm taking influence from a lot of people. This interview right now, hearing you talk about your, being transparent about taking care of yourself and being in tune with yourself, you're influencing me and you're reminding me of the things that really matter. So, I mean, of course, Moff is still a mentor, big brother to me. I interviewed Kimbrough a little while ago. Mm-hmm. That dude is absolutely amazing. Yeah. 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 So, man, I'm taking influence from a lot of friend tours, which is peers, so friends who are doing mentor because we sharpening each other. It's a lot of people, man. I was in a startup program a couple months back in there, made some really great friendships and stuff like that. So I'm taking it from everywhere, man, right now. And I'm just learning what works for me. But as you were talking about, one of the biggest things that I've been doing is, is taking time to myself and really getting in tune with who Kevin is even more and what it is that I like and what it is that I want. And so that journey in itself has been so empowering that I can't even put it into words. It's dope, man. I definitely see the growth. When we transition and we start evolving and we start elevating, we start going to different levels. How was that transition as far as like friendships and family members? When you know that there's certain things you kind of got to let go. Mm-hmm. Were there any times just that we had to kill dead relationships and stuff with people? And I don't know if it was troubling or whatever, but what was that process if you had to dead weight certain people that wasn't on your level? You had to distance yourself. Yeah. So I'll preface it by saying that I've never thought that I was better than anybody. I feel like I can be better than actions. Mm, that's you deep. know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm not better than you, but I'm better than what you're doing. And I choose not to do that. I've had to let go of friendships with people that I had for 20 years, man, since I was like a kid. Wow. And it was hard, but it was necessary. I feel like there comes a point where you have to realize that you're a different type of person. And so, for example, this was a friendship with a male friend. And I was like, we're different types of men. Mm. I have no desire to sit around and like, we'll joke here and there and roast each other. But depending on if that's all you have to say to me, you're not joking, bro. You hating. Mm -hmm. And understanding that energy and letting people be where they are. Hopefully he'll evolve out of that or, you know, hopefully they Mm -hmm. will. But at the same time, if you don't mean me well and my dreams well and the people around me well, then we can't be around each other because I'm on this path to becoming better. I don't feel like I should be, anybody should be the same person three months from now, six months mm-hmm. from now, you should continue to evolve. And so if you're not on that, then you don't deserve to be around me and the people that are around me because we're on about uplifting. And so I've had yeah. to let friendships go, man. I've had to distance myself from relatives mm-hmm. and protect myself. Part of me even protecting myself is every night when I go to bed, you know, I know this probably be more difficult for you because you got a baby girl, but <clears throat> I put my phone in airplane mode. So mm-hmm. when I wake up in the morning and I do my hour of power. I wake up at 5.30 in the morning, sometimes five, and I don't turn my phone on and the world can't get to me until nine o'clock, eight o'clock. And so I'm in my own element and I'm protecting myself. Those are the things that help me. And just also, I've been really in tune with understanding how I feel around people. How do you make me feel? You know what I mean? Like from this interview right now, Gumbo, I personally, bro, even if it's just a text or whatever, I just want to stay in contact with you, man. I know we go way back, but I'm just saying, like, just keeping that energy flowing. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't say that about everybody that I interview. I don't say that about everyone, but I feel like it's important to keep 
people who are amazing and who believe in themselves and believe in their dreams around you because I want to see you do as great as possible because I want something to aspire to. If Gumbo is on SNL and ABC and all of that stuff, then it's like, yo, whatever field I'm in, I need to be doing that too. And I need to be aspiring and ascending to those levels. And so. No, for sure, bro. Likewise, when I thought about doing a book, that just ain't my thing right now. But definitely knowing you and Andrea, you know, Andrea Walker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of y'all are two people that I know that, that I'm connected with that. I definitely would. If I ever get into that mindset, want to tell a story or whatever, I definitely want to look up to y'all for doing it. And that's real, though. Like, yeah, definitely stay in contact because that exchange of energy and constantly not letting each other slip and fall because we will have the moments and stuff where we just kind of like, man, it's just one of them days. Back to back to back to back to back. This happened. That happened. Whatever it is. And I like what you said. You said, like, no person should still be the same three months from now, which means that you believe in, like, constant growth. Because some people do New Year's resolutions. If it's October now. Mm-hmm. They're going to be the same person and they're going to just wait on that change until January come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For you, what do you do to make sure that you change? Like, I don't know how much time we got, but I got one more question after that. But like, what do you do to make sure that that process changes constantly of growth? I, so I do a goal setting workshop that's free for people every single year. I usually do it in December, a couple of weeks before the year starts. And so I write my goals out and then I check them day and night every day during the year and like do a check in and I have somebody else who holds me accountable. Mm-hmm. I'm literally clocking, you know, and then a lot of the goals I make public. Okay. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You make them mm-hmm. goals public. My goal was to do 30 <laughs> interviews in 30 days. You're number 31. <laughs> and sure. so it's like that when you put your behind on the line and you say what you're going to do and you better do it. You know, mm-hmm. and then people, they respect that and they understand, hey, man, you know what? If nothing else, I know Gumbo going to do what he said he going to do. I know Kev is going to follow through and I know that he's mm-hmm. going to deliver that with that type of quality. And that's what I want to be known for and known as, man, is that I deliver. Mm-hmm. And I'm super happy that you were able to fit this in because I know you work in 18 hour days. You know what I mean? And you hit me like, yo, bro, you know, just send me over sometimes this, that and the other. I'm like, yo, bro, just whenever you can, let's just make it happen because I believe in you. And I believe that this platform is for you. Create yeah, your for life sure. series and the distribution that we have, man. So I'm like, yo, Gumbo is fam. Put him in the mix. Yeah, I definitely appreciate that, man. No, for sure. I guess the last, man, I can ask you a whole bunch of questions. (laughs) For real, we're going to just jump on the phone. So I would say as far as like people that are going through, I guess like depression or mental things that are going on, even if it's just a spiritual thing that's going on that's holding them back for yourself that you deal with that could be beneficial. Like you did say that, and I do like that I'm going to start doing that more. You said I will power. You put your phone on airplane mode, which I think that's somewhat connected to it. Mm-hmm. But when you're going through those moments, you're just feeling down and you're spiritually down. Like, what is it that lifts you up that you do? Because even though you got the goals, while you're trying to like uh, tackle those goals, you're still mm-hmm. going to have that stuff that happens. And stuff. So what is it that you could say to me or anybody or that you just do or say just in general that when somebody's going through something like that, what is it that you do okay. to deal with that? So it's a couple things. Number one, you got to put a time limit on your pity party. So, you know, like, I'm not going to lie, bro. I'll answer the question and then I'll tell you about one of the darkest times for me. For so sure. you got to put a time limit on your pity party, meaning that don't forget that you have been here before, meaning that you've mm. dealt with difficult situations. So you're going to make it through this. You've been through tough stuff. You from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other conversation in itself. Like there's no joke out there. So for you to be there where you are and having come from where you came from, then you'll be fine. It just sucks right now. And I feel like I always say everybody has to eat mud at some point. Right. So you got to do the stuff mm. that you don't want to do. The other thing is, is that I'll call my God brother who knows me, I feel like he knows me better than anybody in the world. Mm. And I'll call him and I'll say, yo, man, am I crazy? 
because I'm doing this? Am I crazy because I didn't go and get a job? Just like you, I ain't never really had no real job. I think I worked in corporate America for like less than a month and got fired. I didn't, you know what I mean? I didn't care. Yeah. Like, I'm a dreamer. And so I'll call them and ask them the questions that you can't really ask anybody else. You know, am I crazy because, you know, I could have went and worked at all of these companies and had a six-figure salary and probably have a whole bunch of money in the bank and stuff like that? And he's like, nah, you followed your own path. It's going to pay off. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing that I do is I watch cartoons. Mm-hmm. It sounds silly, but I spend a lot of my time watching cartoons. And I watch cartoons because of the creativity. Mm-hmm. How do you take a turtle and humanize it and use the different facets of its body in order to make it into a thing where it seems human. The creativity behind that. Or I watch like Batman cartoons and you know the plot is going to be similar, this, that, and the other, but I'm paying attention to the voices and I'm paying attention to the differences in the additions of Batman's, I guess you can call it different universes, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking at all of these things and it's taking me back to being a kid and also rethinking and understanding the dreams that I had then. Wow, yeah. Because that's before (laughs) life hits you and before everybody start trying to tell you what you could and couldn't do and if you can live in that place and attack those dreams then you'll be happy but it's a Mm -hmm. process man and what i wanted to say was i went through depression for like a year after we graduated from clark i graduated in the top 10 percent of my business class top 10 percent of my fashion class and i moved to new york and i became homeless and i couldn't find a job and the first job that i found was being a janitor Mm -hmm. and i was a janitor for a year getting disrespected by teachers disrespected by kids cleaning up piss and throw up every single day after that year bro i was was mentally like exhausted and i spent the next year i didn't really get out of bed mm. i was just depressed i like kept the lights off all of this stuff i don't really talk about this a lot and i should mm. it was time that helped me make it through that but it was tough and what it was is is that it was ego as well is mm-hmm. i was supposed to be this person quote unquote mm-hmm. but that job taught me humility to respect everybody no matter what their position is and to always be hungry and you got to keep striving and i did that you know i worked as a janitor i wake up be at work at 5 30 6 30 in the morning work there until like 12 1 o'clock and go and intern at a clothing company and i did that for years like grinding like people didn't see that aspect of the grind and so bro just think it's evolution man you got to keep putting your foot forward i got chills off of that because that's super motivational because you like you said you know when you're a child and stuff you you still have all these ideas Mm -hmm. you have all these ideas before you got other people who have their ideas or thoughts or creativity taken away from them now they're trying to tell adults are trying to take that away from you but no what you just said though really hit home because you're talking about a person that has a degree Mm -hmm. that's a janitor Mm -hmm. that's more educated than most of the people in that school that you've been a janitor for but it also speaks to like connecting that what you said like watching cartoons because i tell people this i live in between two spaces i live in between me as a child Mm -hmm. that kid that wanted to give stuff to like the rest of the world whether it was just up on stage saying performing making music or just an actor whatever it was just that idea as a kid you know i was a silly kid performing my uncles and aunties they always go back to christmas and thanksgiving i'll stand up on the table and just be crazy right yeah yeah just do crazy stuff. My auntie always remind me of that. My dad always remind me of that. But then the other space I live in between is me on my deathbed. As an old person, because mm. I do believe I live a long time, mm. I live in between those two spaces where I have to honor that child. How would I be when I'm 21? How would I be when I'm 41? How would I be when I'm 51? I used to think like that. As mm. I got older, I started thinking all those things. But then also able to project emotions and feelings because my natural empath, sometimes I go in spaces I can feel sickness. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? 
I can feel sorrow. I can feel happiness. Even if it's concealed by a straight face, I can feel those things. Time is ticking. And I stay within that space because I just want to be able to look back and say, well done for myself and for the universe. So all that, it's a process, man. And there's no one clear path mm -hmm. for it. And I admire you. We're going to have to get on this again. And I think it's important that you open up about that. And I skipped over some stuff because they're like long stories and stuff and talking about that. But I think it's important to talk about depression. When you feel like there's nobody else going through something, then that's what leads people up to like suicide and stuff because mm -hmm. you feel like you by yourself until you talk to somebody about it. Absolutely. People right now that listen to this, that they're going to feel so connected by it. That's probably going to make them feel better about themselves that, you know, if Kevin could have gone through what he's going through and not even telling the whole story, then I definitely could do it too. That's dope, bro. I appreciate you sharing that, homie. It's all love, bro. Man, thank you so much for being on the show today, man. For sure, dog. Appreciate, appreciate you. you, man. Love, bro. And uh, we definitely going to stay in contact, dog. Okay, definitely. So, Create Your Life family, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and rate and review us. This helps us build this community and building the community is what we are all about right now so that we can deliver as much value as possible. So until next time, create your life and feed your ambition. This episode was brought to you by PodcastLaundry.com. I love Podcast Laundry. It provides a real solution to free up my time. And time is the only resource that we cannot get back. Podcast Laundry was created with love to help other fellow busy podcasters free up time so that they could do more of what they love, whether that's traveling, time with friends and family, or working on other ventures. If you want to free up your time, then have Podcast Laundry do the dirty work of note-taking, graphic creation, editing, show tagging, and uploading for you. Go to PodcastLaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. And remember to use code CYLS. That's PodcastLaundry.com or call 347-871-8273.